there was something with um, the fact that oh, it seemed like it was too easy to kill things. Yeah. Um, in the first game, that was. But, but we'll finish up what you were saying. Well, I just going. didn't like the fun of the encounter. To me, has so far, so far, has never been the difficulty level of what we're facing. I had so much fun in that battle in the street on Saturday with the shopkeeper. I felt like I was just... I felt like a ninja. Like well, a rogue. I, mean, I felt like defense, a ninja. Like I was he, running around. He's a around. fighter and you're a rogue. I yeah. mean, he, he, his but sole I, purpose is to kill shit. Well, but, but he was the one that, that said he, it was too easy. Was that's, he, that's what I'm saying. He was, was swinging... Because he was a fighter He was swinging Earthbreaker rogue, through the not, streets... And there was just Body people flying. flying and smacking right. against Which walls, cool. and I just I like I love that. I thought it was awesome. Now so, switch to today, and we're diving through a hole trying to save Omi, and we're trying where he's trying to hit this thing and he can't hit it, and we're trying to throw daggers at this thing and we can't hit it. They're to me they're both like equally as well, fun. That's, so that's the difficulty level. The obstacles the, the environment can be. That's exactly that's, how important yeah, the environment let, can let be. Me, let me fight. justify some things just so everybody can be clear. So the, my comment about those these guys are dying too easily was primarily from the D and D next perspective of difficulty levels. I w- it was a purely meta game comment because it was interesting to me because I was thinking about my game by that point and I was like, so if we're just fighting humans, then it's almost too easy because I did not feel threatened. No, no, Except no, I, I, feel I have yet to feel threatened either because I have like 58 hit points. Well, let me, let me point this out. In the game today, even though the words like I hit you, you hit me, the way you did it added to the uh, illusion of danger because it literally felt like Omi was being taken away from us. Mm-hmm. Gregson could not go through the hole. He would have to basically use something else to make the hole not big enough to do it. And he's being like, even though you were saying like that things are getting tighter on him, I think that added to that danger sense. Yeah. Which is like, oh, this is gonna be even harder. Now he can't escape, and I think that's why at some point he just start, stopped trying to escape as much because he's like, well, now nah, I'm screwed. Like he's, mm-hmm. they just have a good hold of me. And that's and what I was saying the, earlier. And for the players, you guys were like, I need to do this something faster. I need to get in there to help him because he's done. Especially when he started eating his feet, he's like. You knew, you know, if you we did not act, he would die. Hey, like, no especially when your feet start getting eaten. Yes. When your feet are getting eaten, so time to go. Was your point to that that um, when I was up in that room and I stabbed that guy? Was your point that my description made you want to give me a one shot kill and you that should and no, you no, should have? That, it would have been wasted if you had done that really cool thing. And because yeah. I even think you wrote a crit on that attack, if I'm not, I, don't know. I think you wrote a crit, and it was just like so perfect. But if that guy had been an equal level, because he was a minion, mm-hmm. if he had been an equal fourth level thug, he then that stab wouldn't him. have killed him. Yeah. So you'd have done yeah. that cool thing, and then he would have stood up just, and punched you. It just would have been a normal, and then you would have stabbed like him again, and then he might have died. If not, he would hit you again, and then you would. But it wouldn't have been such a cool scene. Yeah, because it was such mm-hmm. a cool scene because it happened again realistically within the terms of D and D. Because he's a He's a commoner. He's a thug. He's a nobody. Right. You, as a fourth level fo- or character, you wrote, should be able to kill those guys like they're fourth butter. Level fucker. But if you go out into the wastelands, there's going to be shit in the wastelands that they ain't going to work on. Because to me, that's realistic. I keep using that word. You know, if you're fighting again like that creature in the sewer, or you fight something, I'm going to call them sand demons because I use sand demons every time I roll a desert. There's a sand <laughs> demon somewhere. You're not going to kill that with one dagger shot. It's a different environment, but if you if you find a wandering caravan full of you know slave owners, 
You can kill every one of them with one shot because they're humans. They're all minions in this world. And the way I'm running them, because that's realistic. You know, if I go up and stab Jared with a dagger in the heart, he's going to die. If I go out and fight the Incredible Hulk and I stack him with a dagger, he's going to kill me. I like how you point to me. Thank you. Well, that, that's what Grexel is. He's my version of the Incredible Hulk. Even no, though I, I, thought I, would, I thought he was off character. Yeah. I thought you pointed to me. Like, this doesn't have anything, just on a completely side note, I just think it's awesome that you handed us three characters that you created... And I just and we're so attached to him. Like yeah. we love playing him. I well, feel like. Oh, well, actually, I'd like to ask why you're attached to him. I mean, why, is it because he created um, it and told no. you how to play we, it? We, we it no, he didn't tell me how to play it. We discussed this on, on after the side of the game we played. I think first of all, we had an amazing game. I think it was probably your best game. Like I really, really enjoyed it. The Saturday, the Saturday game we played. I was really that, prepared. That, that, was the, that was the first game. Oh we, yeah, we there was so I, I th- much. I think, so what helped, and actually that's why I tried to replicate with my game, the box choice gave us a reason to all be connected, and we even knew good and bad things about each other, which I, I stole that idea, and I'm like, I'm so doing the same thing. Because <laughs> I'm like, this is awesome, and I actually don't think I did it. My mistake, or what you can, you can say it was a mistake or not, is you guys started forming your personalities before you knew your classes. Now, in my head, I was like, this is going to be cool, because they can kind of experience them becoming the class. But in practice, that didn't right. go as well. I could have done it better if I spent three games just developing what class each guy was. But I think I rushed it, and I'm like, I just want to give them some stuff so they kind of know what each person is. Yep. And there were hints. If you look at your characters, and then you look at the class you are, I think, Jared, you're the only exception to that. There were hints. It's like, when you became the, when, when Mike became the sorcerer, and you were the clique, there were hints that things were there. It was just like, if you kind of stop paying attention to it, you're like, yeah, that, my personality does kind of fit that class. Right. That, well, I think but, in my, my game, you as a player and as a character are having a hard time fitting in. Well, yeah. And that's because... I you, don't usually have a conflict with the player but, but I think it's because character. you weren't there that first game. Um, so as a player, you... Wait, you're you, talking about your game or his game? My oh, game. Oh, with the crazy guy. With the crazy yeah. guy. So Because you're playing a character that wasn't there originally. They had to bring you mm-hmm. in. You don't have as strong of motivation to be included. So, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why Wang is having a, such a hard time but, fitting in as a player. Well, character but I don't think it's necessarily... I'll find a way to fit in, but it, it is hard, yes. I, I think you're also playing a difficult uh, PC concept because yes. being crazy... I think so, too, yeah. I agree. Being crazy is hard. And, and, I, and one of the reasons why I called you out on it in-game... Well, that's was, why when I do the Rex and I'm logical... No, no, that's fine. One, one, one of the reasons why I called you out in-game, I thought it will allow you to... Define your personality a little bit better, and it will allow for some interesting interaction. So we right. get, as the party, we get to know you better. Because so when it you did seem me- like you were playing playing him differently, and I didn't know why. You know, in game, I, like it, I was, I was doing it purely from the in character, yeah, in character perspective. Grix was like, he's not acting the way I first yeah. met him. And I Something that. is wrong, and of course, you know, because he's not, we can say See, whatever he wants to. I completely understand. That. I'd be acting yeah. the exact same way if but I was. My character that. concept for you isn't what you're playing, and again, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's your character. Mm-hmm. I want you to play it the way you want. But when we first talked about you playing like a crazy hitman, I was thinking more like a Christopher Walken just goes off like will kill just an innocent person cool. at the slightest insult. But you're not like. Actually, insane. Where but you're the first part of it, I thought I was yourself. a bounty hunter, and then I've been told I'm a hitman. Oh, I, in the email, it said, "I know, be a hitman." I still because my I character mean, says bounty hunter. I 
to have this mindset that I'm a bounty hunter, and that's the way I made it. And whenever I make a character, it's my mindset. Right. Um, I, I've but when with, somebody tells me something I've different, with, it doesn't necessarily I've noticed with, gonna... with Jared that his class will define his personality a lot. So, And I think I did the same thing to you in, in, in my game, which was you didn't think that you were going to be a rogue. You thought you were going to be a fighter. Well, yeah, you're like, and, suddenly and you're right. Like, and suddenly you're like, well, then my personality doesn't... And I think you have the same problem with Mike. You're like, hey, I thought I was a bounty hunter and now I'm a hitman. To me, bounty hunter and hitman pretty much do the same job. But for you, that's a big difference. That is a big And you have difference. to respect that as a player. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. what do we do in this situation? And, and you know, Mike feels like you're, you're a hitman because he doesn't want two bounty hunters. That's fine. But now you have to be... Well, yeah, as a bounty hunter, a bounty could be collecting an item and then you're right. collecting the bounty So basically, as a hitman, you as a player, you're killing somebody. You as a player have to probably redefine your personality a little bit. Because right. so Omi did such a... Omi. Rob did such a great job playing Omi that I don't want you to step on his toes. Like, like there could be a good game. <coughs> and I don't game. want to either. I didn't know he's a bounty hunter right. until after last session. Right. So he's so. playing a bounty hunter, so that's one reason why I wanted to class, to clarify that you were not a bounty hunter. You wanted diversification. Right, because he was doing such a good job. I don't want to get in a situation like you have two rogues. It's like, well, I'm going to pickpocket. No, I'm going to pickpocket because i got a plus one higher than your pickpocket. Yeah, I want you guys to be different. Game and it does also fit that you guys are all low-level crime guys. I think a hitman fits right into that mm-hmm. enforcer... Uh, scummy guy and then sort of low level leader I think that fits in rather than a second bounty hunter but, so that was what and, I, and I told you in, in that when you asked after every session you, you wanted us to write up that background I said that when he's on his rucks or whatever he's uh, he, he forgets about his past and he's a little bit normal yeah And but when he's not on it he's crazy and that was how it was justified and I actually tallied out I only have one dose left of the rucks, and I mean I've been using it all session, yeah. and that's why he's been logical and thinking. And I, there's when he definitely runs out, he goes crazy, and that's why he passed out. And it's like the cheese for Curly in the Three Stooges. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I can I can definitely see that becoming a role playing uh, role playing moment. I just, I you know, I think for the sake of the game, you probably need to tone it back just a little bit, or we need to continue with the Rexan. Um, oh, keep. Keep the feedback coming. Yeah. No, let me know what I'm doing wrong. No, I mean, you're not doing anything wrong at all. Absolutely, I want you to play your character the way you want to. But I think these three guys have such a, a tight unit that was already formed. Mm-hmm. And again, as a player and as a character, you're coming in from the outside. You're just going to have to make some concessions. We've also played wait, with wait, each other. Wait, wait, wait. Well, I don't. I, I would really love to hear some more feedback on this because. But I'm I don't confused. think that anything like that needs to happen. It, it's. It sounds like we're trying to figure out a way of how to mesh your character into our group so that you're tight my, with all of You us. told me from the beginning my character was offered a bigger bounty for him, for his head. So, no, no, no. right trying to, there. No, hang on, hang on. I mean, trying to incorporate your character, his character, into our group in that way doesn't make sense to me. He hasn't been with us from the beginning. The, like, it, to me, what's going on makes sense. Like, for some reason, it doesn't make sense to you guys, and you're trying to figure out a way to mesh him into our group. Right. But to me, what's going on makes sense because I, I agree. he's not... He hasn't been with our group the whole time. He hasn't worked with us for a long time. Out of game, he's you're, you're having a hard time, but that makes sense because your character in game is having a hard time, well, and I think that it should continue to stay that here, way. Here's the danger, though. Kind you don't want time. you don't want to create a situation where the player says, and this happens, they say, "My character would not do this." 
and then they do it because they have to basically I think as a, as a person you say you know what my personality would not do this at all the personality of thinking about my character but I don't want to break the game by saying I leave and that's kind of the danger with the um, with your character in, in Mike's game not this one but the previous version with the uh, alien and stuff Samson because you were like I just want to go sit in a log house and chill. And it's like, as at the end, you're like, well, that's cool. But then if you do that, then it will be like, okay, so you guys go in the set. You're in your log house. All right, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you see a squirrel. Like, you know, you've lost the game. At that point, you say, okay, this game is done. Because that's not, that's not, split. that's not true. Because, like, I talked to, like, I talked to Michael about that. And, like, let's say, for instance, in the beginning, I wanted to stay in the, in the town that we first found, like, the seaside now, I, m- me as a DM at this point, I would have been like, okay, so you want to stay well, in the yeah. town. And or, then what do you do? Let, me get, let me get through this. It might take a couple minutes. So, in hindsight, it's always easier. Yeah. But in hindsight, what I would do is, as a DM, I'd say, okay, you guys are in this town. Over, and for over the first month, what are your goals? What are you trying to do as you live here? Well, we're going to start fishing. We're going to... We're going to, um, each of us are going to pick a house. We're going to be cleaning it out. We're going to start setting stuff up. Okay, that month has gone by. Nothing's really happened. These, the, you, all the things that you want to do. Now six months has gone by. What have you done in six months? And So I would have actually had a really big investment into that game if we would have stayed in that town in the beginning. And I've been like, this is our place. We can live here forever. I, I, and then Mike's character, Mike's um, story came and started to push us out of our town that we were starting well, to build up. That and was that, thing I struggled in with game, in that game. That might have only taken like 10 or 15 minutes to build up this whole story of, that we went through in like six months to yeah. a year. But then wouldn't you be thinking if you was like, okay, five years have passed, wouldn't you start thinking, okay, obviously that's not what we're supposed to do. Well, yeah, I mean, like in that town, by the way, and if you guys remember, I'm like, the end is mine, blah, blah. I could have stayed in that town too, but it felt like, and this is kind of metagaming, I guess, but it felt like if we stayed in that town, we were kind of killing Mike's game, because then we're staying. You need an adventure party that moves, I understand. things are coming into it, like, constantly. Well, I, I mean, like, I, I don't feel like there was enough getting my character invested. Like, we, we, were sla- we were slaves, and that's what brought us together. But then after that, there was nothing keeping us together. Like we all wanted to go four separate directions. There was no goal and no common goal in mind. And that's where I was struggling with Mike's games. No offense. This is um, and and that's where my character was struggling. And that's why I was kind of like, well, okay, we're doing this. Yeah, and I was going. We have no common goal. Right. Um, one of the things I've noticed with Mike's games is because, and this is the danger with sandboxing a game. When you create a sandbox and players can do anything they want to, mm-hmm. they get lost because they're like, I don't know what to do. Because mm-hmm. you're like, I kind of want to do that, but then the party won't follow. But they, We have no clear goal, so I don't know where I'm going. Because, I mean, if you think about it, in, in real life, right, we keep doing the same actions over and over again as a repetition, but, and then things happen. But in a game, you don't want to be like, okay, I've stayed in this town for five years, and it's just the four of us. And then you're like, okay, what do we do now? It's like, well, I don't like you anymore, so I'm going to leave. Like, you kind of, because he lets us do whatever we want to, you run into danger of, I don't know what to do next, so I have no goal. And with you, that, and maybe I didn't explain it well enough, but for me, as the DM... 
I, basically, you guys were slaves for a long time, and you had grown so close as a as a group. That's what allowed you to break out because I, I, you, your friendship I sort of overrode the brainwashing. But it also matched the whole plot matches my personality because I was kind of thinking like I, I was tell, I even told you like I'm making a wizard that's going to be like kind of like Batman. Like I want him to like you know protect the innocent type of the thing. So for me, going with the plot made sense because you're trying to fix the spider issue then we found those guys that obviously were being oppressed so I had to fix that then right. we went to the air slaves and I had to deal with that and that's not done if you guys remember what I wanted to do was go back and like take over the place by becoming pirates you well, guys we, we thought we were in the same year until after the right. alien incident. right so and, that's, guys, and that's though, part of the metagame where it's, it's hard for me because I agree with Evan that probably would have made a better story but what I knew as the DM is that the the dwarves have this powerful navy, and the reason that the village was unguarded or and empty is because the spider creatures had come and killed them all. So after about three or four weeks, a navy ship would have shown up and been like, "Hey, where's all our people?" and would have attacked you. And and I could have I could have went with that. I could have probably if I'd thought about it longer would have made more sense. But, but then have you to make a call. But you would have missed the brain, the bridge swing encounter, which is one of the first encounters I came up with. Okay. That's important. And you would have missed me, the alien. Let me ask you a question yeah. directly. Uh, I don't feel like since we've switched over to D and D next, and we're like we're still playing this in the same world. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, but we're playing different characters now. Since we switched to these characters, do you feel like you've ever had to make a choice? That and you are making that choice because. You felt like you were present, like you were presented with an option, and you were taking the option because what's the um, because it's the DM story, like like um, the like you have two doors, uh, the red door and the blue door, and you're choosing the blue door because the, the DM yeah. is obviously oh, saying choosing the blue door. <laughs> but um, but that's what I felt I, like you were doing with the other characters. You were only making decisions. To move the DM story along. Where in this, since we switched over, I have never felt like that's happened. I I, I, I see what you're saying. I think... I think because our personalities are in such a way... And I think the fact that we have a little bit of conflict is actually helping the story progress. But if you think about it... In, in, in this specific session that we just had... We as PCs want to do totally different stuff. Gregson wants to go to Greater. You guys can know my not. We're not sure if I was lying about that or not, right? So I wanted to go to Greater because Gregson was like, from his personality, he's like, look, this is too complicated. If we go there, we can figure things out because if Greater attacks us, then maybe we can try something. If we go to Wastelands, there's going to be all kinds of crazy stuff. We'll probably die horribly. You feel like you want to go there. I mean, we all, we know what's actually happening. We all, because we're in danger, we all automatically want to go to what we consider safe. Mm-hmm. You're used to the Wastelands. You're used to the Tiger Paw, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And I'm used to Greater. We all say, we're in danger. Things are complicated. Mm-hmm. Let's go somewhere safe. And what's safe for me, obviously it's not safe for you, which I look at it as kind of surprising because I thought you would like Greater as much as I did, but apparently you're more, uh, you don't trust anyone type well, of person. Well, I guess not. I understand that. You know how you have secrets in your background? So does he, and his. Uh, one of those revolves around Graydon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I, I didn't know that, but it's like, what I'm saying is, we kind of hit the spot. Because you're making character decisions, not players. Just make a little check, like, that might be another topic to discuss, is that 
the fact that the DM is giving a bunch of secrets to other players, like we're getting frustrated with each other over like something that actually has to do. Well, that with that brings up a good point, though, because you said one of the other dungeon talks that you did not like the player confrontation so much, and you thought that we weren't getting to tests. You thought that we were spending too much time talking. But you did yeah. a lot in this session, but you were okay with it. So what's the difference there? Isn't that is because I felt like the the uh, like in the beginning of this session. What we were what going through made sense with what had just happened. Because I thought a lot of the player conversation we were having this session was a lot similar to what we were having with the other session. I didn't think so at all. Like when we were basically when we were playing on that table over there, I felt like uh, well, actually, yeah. you weren't here the night. It I was wasn't just, there. After, it was me, you, Rob, and Nico. Yeah, when you and had the, the game, podcast, was after the session that I wasn't there. The game started, and we sat. The first twenty or thirty minutes of the yeah. game was just us, like. So what are we doing? Well, I don't know. Okay, what should well, we do? So then maybe that's what I so, missed out on then. Because it, but see, that was more of a, even that it's kind of in character. That was more of a player thing because you didn't know what to do. And all of that kind of um, <coughs> wasting time seemed like it was out of character, out of role playing. All whereas in the first half hour of this game was just in character. If you were to have that session again, though, would you still be sitting there like this, or would you actually have been more interactive? Uh, I. For whatever reason, and I think it's a good thing, in this game we're a lot more in character. That's all of us. I think Rob as a player, I am happy to see Rob as a new player being so involved with his character. Because he's like his other characters as well. But this character, I would pr- probably say it's his favorite. And it's kind of funny because he didn't get to choose it. He just was a Well, he's always in hell. He's always well, that's the thing in hell. A couple and, things I want to say there. One because I thought was funny is I started that new game. Where, I, where everything was random and you guys had no choice. And that was sort of like an experiment for me. I wanted to see how that would work. And there were things about it I liked, but it didn't really work. So then I wanted to go the completely opposite side, and I created the new game that we started where you guys, I said, you can do whatever you want. I don't care. You guys just create something, and I will make a game around it. Right, and then it had, I call it analysis paralysis. You guys had too many options, right. and then I try to create a game. And the, the story of that game, or the mystery of that game, was that you went in the future. And it was like this big mystery. that that's, that's the reason why you were lost for so long, is I was trying to hold on to that mystery so it would be a cool reveal. Where in this game, it was kind of a hybrid. It's a sandbox world, but I gave you characters. So is, and I think is that's that because D&D Next? Or no, no, it had nothing to do with D&D Next. Well, that's what I feel like we're leaning towards, is because it's D&D Next, not because um, There are things about D&D Next that, that complement this time. Yeah, you could do the same thing in 3.5 and have the exact same experience. I right? don't think so. I don't, well, I don't the exact think so. That's what I'm asking. The flow of the game in D&D Next is a lot more smooth, which I think assists with standing character. Because in the other game, and 4.0 kind of had that as well. But what if we got rid of the grid in 3.5 and got rid of all that? We still would have the same problems. It's kind of funny. If you think about it, if you think about it, each each one of us has three skills. And we have three class skills as well. Yeah, but you're still rolling for whatever it is. It's just you're adding your wisdom modifiers. I think in 3.5 there's too much complexity. In 4.0 there was not enough creativity to actually do it. I don't like 4.0. So, yeah, see, so you don't like it. And it's like, with 4.0, it seems like you didn't have the option. And I think D&D Next I has the... I think D&D Next has the... Um, 
it allows it has the positives of 3.5, which is allows you to be a little bit creative, but it has the positives of 4.0, which is simplicity, so you can go on with the story. I think D&D next is playing a huge role with us saying the character, because usually what happens is you'll start you'll start a battle at 3.5 and you're like oh shit, now I have like seven different spells I can cast. Let me go to the space to figure out what's going on with the spell. Well, that's because yeah. the spells are limited in five or in next. I'm sure that probably it's going to get more and more. And more. Yeah, it, will, it will get more complicated. And I agree. I think I'm kind of in the middle. There, but there's things about D&D next I really like. I do think it's simple. We we had a whole podcast. We talked about the character sheet being more simple. Kind of there's there's less clutter. It's easier to set aside and not even worry about it anymore in role playing. But with Rob specifically, and we mentioned this on the last podcast, the reason why I think he's doing such a good job is I think it's easier for him to imagine himself as a mobster, because we've all seen mobster movies, than it is to be a half-elf ranger, who he has no concept of. So I think it's just easier for you to role-play something that's more familiar. But I think that I noticed is like, and I apologize for interrupting, but it's like... If you say that again, I'm going to smack you. Just interrupt me, move on. No, I'm just being... (laughs) Don't be be nice, just just say, fuck you, I'm talking. Uh, Fuck you, I'm talking. (laughs) There Uh, you go. There there is no quick draw. If I say I'm attacking something, I automatically quick draw my greatsword regardless, and I attack, and I don't know if that's... Part of the rules, or yeah. if there's a rule against that, no, it, it's part of the rules that so you draw on your automatically can do that. It's considered. I love that part of the action. Yeah, and that's I love what, that. And you can see why that makes it less complicated, right? Because as a player, you're like, oh, I don't have quick throw. That means I use my minor. We don't even really use minor actions talking. Like I think I actually said that, that for my minor action, I wanted to do this, which doesn't even exist. You're used to saying minor movement, and, and that breaks down the game. Here, you're like. What did you say? You see the guy that was floating, the ghost, and you're like, I take my sword and I run after him and I swim. Mm-hmm. You didn't say, wait, am I charging? How far away is he from me? Well, I did say I was charging, but that's But you know what I'm saying. It. But you, you yeah. weren't like, wait, but I can't charge. But this is, mm-hmm. this is kind of... I understand. This I understand. is the point that I was trying to make with the fact that I think D&D next... I think we should have a direct comparison. That, that would just really satisfy me. D&D next... <laughs> I think you can see in Rob... Rob has done a, a much better job than I have at role-playing in this new game. And um, I think you can see in the way Rob role-plays at this table in this seat compared to where he role-played in that table at that seat. Mm-hmm. And I think that you're overlooking what this has to do with it and what D&D Next has to do with it. And because maybe I am. That's here is, this is the character. This is your character sheet from 3.5, which is tons of shit. <laughs> it is a ton of shit. Look at this. Okay, now here's the D&D. So right. if you think about Rob over there, the whole game, this was Rob over there. Yeah, he, would look he was looking at numbers. He was, that's looking, what I'm he was always to. trying, but for him, that's not what he's I used to. So when the DM that. would say, "Okay, give me a blah blah blah," he go, "Oh my so god!" So from a learner's there's four hundred things on here, and I. But if you look at Rob at this table, obviously the way to go. If you look at Rob at this table, he's relaxed. He's sitting back in his chair. He's involved in the story, and he's role playing. He's all in character. He's not in character sheet. Mm-hmm. I think that's what yeah. that's how D and D next right. helps I, with the environment and helps encourage role playing because it takes away a ton of shit and, for you. To right. think and there's about. probably thirty other games that aren't D and D that are close to next. They have simple character sheets. They're they're role playing, but we don't play those. So from a D and D standpoint, because that's what we play, I do think that the character sheet has. A, I think you're dead on. I think that's the biggest reason why Rob's you, doing you, better job. How much was he looking at his character sheet when he was playing in your game for D and D next? 
Yeah, your game. He's last the one week. we just started. Uh, I mean, it would, see, I knew when I introduced my game and when the classes, I knew I was going to have to give you like thirty minutes, like mm-hmm. read your class over. Especially since everybody's a spellcaster, and I kind of did that on purpose because we're trying to do a pure D and D next test. So I wanted to like try as many different classes as possible. And since in this table, in, this, in Mike's game, it's fight a rogue. I was like, okay, I need something different, but I felt like you wanted to play rogue, so I made you rogue. That's, that's, that's the mindset oh, that's I had. fine because I had to play I had to have some kind of a melee character yeah. there and you play a cleric which is kind of a hybrid but in any case he didn't look on his seat after we started talking about stuff he didn't look at it as much when you have a battle you're going to look at your seat and figure out what you can do but when you're role playing in D&D next it feels like you think la la less so like what skills do I but have but he was using well, the same oh, I'm not tra- ability over and over and right. over but I, I think that's some of the, the positives of it, how simple it is, because we brought this exact example up, is that in 3.5, if you're in a role-play situation, you're going to look at your character sheet and go, oh, I can diplomacy is my highest skill. I want to diplomatize with him. Right. Rather and, than and, just talking and, to the and, guy, and, so and right. I decide and, that and you're diplomatizing. You can as well. But here's the thing is, I can never make the same exact character in 3.5. I can make the exact same fighter... 16 times in this edition or in 4th edition. It'd be different. Uh, yeah, that's... Va- that With the difference of background and right. that whatever. Adds, that has a lot of variance. But yeah. there's like, what, 90 books in 3.5? You can make a fighter a see, different way every single time. What you're that will happen. That's just fighter. What you're overlooking is that you can do that in D&D next. All you have to do is say, that's what I'm doing. You, you take any 3.5 fighter by the rules... And say, I want to create this exact character in DD next. I'll say, okay. But let's say I want to have Goat and I want to like provoke enemies to attack me, but I don't have a special ability to do that. I just have to You're not say bot- that I do that every time. See, that's something. But then that- he can do that and he can do that. And well, he that's, can where do that. The, that's, that's where the DM. that's where the maneuvers come from. There's probably a maneuver that's goading or challenging or talking. And, and this? Well, this is still a playtest. It's not a done system. They just added. Yeah, but, but we're talking about what we know now from what but we know. They have maneuvers. Which so are special if, if attacks. If you count the books and it changes that, then in my opinion, obviously. Yeah. So you're, 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 you're comparing a finished product With to, a, 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 to, a, to just a night. But I'm just, well, I would just say... And look he, at the he even potential. said himself, don't overlook the initial comparison to the final product. Right. Well, this is what I, I've I think, experienced now to what I know. So I, I can tell you that the Wizards of the Coast will do what they always do. It's going to, they're going to come out with a DM1, a player handbook one, some a few stories oh, yeah. that are adventures that are associated with that, and maybe like a magic book of some sort, and then there's going to be more and more books that makes the classes oh, yeah. more and more complex. I mean, that's right. how they make In my money. opinion, will change gradually right. as but that I think out. here's the difference, and I'm not picking on Rob, but I think, as I said, I think he's doing an amazing job. I'm kind of jealous with how he's role-playing so quickly, so early. Because he hasn't, he hasn't even role-played for like, what, six months now, right? Um, before, Rob would be like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to have a nature skill high even though I'm in Rangers, so now I can't do it. I, I was there. You were I mean, there, right? Yeah. He was like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, just spend your points next. He's like, okay. And it was frustrating because like, oh, you so can do like, this, you can do this. this. He felt like, yeah. he's like, oh, so I've realized this. In this game, he won't be like, oh, what are my skills? He's like, I want to do this. That's a huge difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he does have skills, it's right? It's kind of like but saying... But it still is a skill would, role. It's, it's just like wisdom-based instead of skill-based. It's so kind of like saying, what would, your, what would your sheet do? 
as opposed to what your character would do. Right. But it's because still based off your, of your if, ability, right? Your wisdom. You can do it as good as I could do it if we don't have a skill in it. You could do it just as good as I could do it. Not true, because your wisdom might be higher. Right. And you have to. Well, yeah, but the difference that I think that you're missing is that. In in Rob specifically in three point five, he's going to look at his skill sheets and then decide what he wants he's to do. He's bound by his skills. Where in D D next, he's just telling me what he wants to do, and, and I decide what. Yeah, that but means. he's still going to have to go. Okay, my wisdom modifier is. But only when two. I tell him to. What, right. If he's trying to do a survival, I, but, or, but it's different. It's like different I mean, going okay, I'm really going to intimidate. I'm, I'm, I'll intimidate but, oh, rather but, than just going. I want to do this, and I and I help him determine how it works. Also, I think what we're saying is that you may not do that. You, as Jared, you may play your D and D game the same way in D and D Next as you do in three point five, which well, is that ran D and D Next, which is you well, don't as a player. no as a player, which yeah. which is you don't confer to you you don't resort to this before you make decisions, and that's and that's awesome. But I think what the point on this side is is that especially for new players like me and Rob, I think that I'm just like Rob where. This isn't you. This is no, us. You're fine. You're not going to hurt my feelings. And no, I'm just. I, I, I'm saying that it, it. What's great about it is is how great. I think that it's a great thing for new players. For a new player, it's a very easy system to get involved. Because for me and Rob, I I think I did the same thing when 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 the turn came around to me and he'd say, "Okay, it's your action. What do you want to do?" My first thing is, uh, "Let's see. What's what makes the most logical sense based on my yeah, abilities and I here?" Think fourth edition's the same way. It's great for beginners. You may not do that, but but I, I think three point five. I look at the players like a huge do. list of feats. That's probably overwhelming for new players, but for me, it's like all these That's options. That's because you know the feats, you know which exactly. you want to look at. So, you know I mean, which feats are, are silly, so you avoid them. But as a new player, when you're seeing like when you're seeing things like improve initiative, you're like, well, it's going to give me a plus four. Yeah. Is that a good ability or not? Like, how do you justify that? It's like, mm. well, it would help me once in the entire battle. That's, it's not important. Okay. Well, and let me clarify we, this real quick. And we know what the answer is. It's like, you know, if you're rogue, yes. If you're a wizard, yeah. maybe. For new characters... D and D, the fourth Players. edition, next edition, next. That's the way to go. Three point five, definitely for people who. And I think that's why people still play three point five. Grown up on three point five, and that's the first system I played. And that's See, I, I played. You don't think I, I people played, with three that are, are that love three point five would also love D and D? Oh, I think they would. Yeah, um, I, I, I personally everyone. didn't like fourth edition. But that's just a personal thing, and I'm not trying a to lot, push look, my... When I first saw 4.0, and I even told Mike, I think, when, before I even met him in emails, so I'm like, I've never played 4.0, but everybody that I know says it sucks. Yeah, I bought all the books. It, I bought the DM guide, the... Well, I, I still have Yeah, I, I bought them, I was like, oh, I'm so pumped up about this. I'm going to love this. And then it was I, like, As a player, I it this. feels like you don't have creativity because you're bound mm. by, oh, I only have this encounter ability. can only use this encounter, and then I have to wait for the next encounter, and I'm done. In 3.5 and in D&D mm-hmm. Next, there's no, I can only do this once, except for specific little things. But it's not like your whole attack you can only do once, especially daily. So like, do I use it? I'm going to have another battle next. Yeah. That I, was I like, I'm too again. much too much meta gaming of like playing the you game. You want to be a writer. No, no, no. That, that, the other, <laughs> I actually almost brought that up. But no, the thing about 4th Edition is I brought I it up is that it's a great tactical miniatures game. Like, yes. if you guys said, like, hey, let's, let's do some 4th Edition characters and we're going to create just this crazy battle. With lava and lightning, and, that, that, and, and would be, that would, that would be a lot of fun. But it's not a role playing game. Twin strike, twin strike, twin strike, twin strike. That's all I was ever doing as a ranger. Twin strike, yeah, twin strike, twin strike. 
I don't think. I mean, we're kind of done playing 4.0. I think 4.0 had some very interesting ideas. And if for new players, it was probably really good to get into the It was the thing. But, it, that 4.0 well, is what I started with, and I still remember things I really liked about what it. What I want to point out is I played DD 1 through DD next. So you can say I played like five different versions. Mm-hmm. One was rough. Two, it, was, it got better because they learned from one, but it was still rough. Three, it was so broken they're like, nah, let's go with 3.5. Right, because three when three was made, it was like, hey, we're gonna make it so you can even play it in video games, which was a cool idea, but it didn't work in practice because it didn't have the experience. So that's fine. That's why three point five got generated, and I think three point five was their best. Well, then they had the what, what's it called now? Pathfinder. The Pathfinder, yeah. They didn't have Pathfinder. it. Pathfinder. That everybody loves Pathfinder. Well, because Pathfinder, Pathfinder took three point five. And made it better. Yes. Well, apparently. 4.0 went in a totally different direction. I've never I think D&D Next was like, hey, we know the cool things about 4.0. We know the cool things about 3.5. Let's take the good parts and drop the bad parts. That's pretty much what it feels like they right. did. And, I mean, if you compare D&D 1 to 2, um, it's pretty much the same thing, only it's, the rules are a little bit more clear. There's not a huge difference. They introduced some new stuff in D&D 2.0. So you're saying that you like D&D Next <laughs> better than 3.5? Yes, for okay. sure. Really? Because I think it fits... It, it satisfies my need as an, as an older role player that I've been playing for a while, but at the same time, it's great for new players. Yep. What about you? Absolutely. I, it's my favorite system right now. And the thing about wow. it that I think that you're missing, and, and it will come with time... Maybe I am missing it. ...is that the complexity... And options that you love about 3.5 that you can still exist. You can create anything you want. Like the craziest idea in the world. There's a rule that you can fit together. Well, I just think they have 90 books, and D&D Next doesn't have 90 books. Right. But same thing with 4.0. But you can you can still do that because and again, if you read the packets, your your the diversity of your character is based on your race, your class, your your background, and your specialty. And they openly say, create your own background. Create your own specialty. Well, yeah, well, that's what's in any system. Exactly. Yeah. What I'm saying is, like, you you make First the craziest season. character you want in 3.5. I can make the same character in D and D next. Yeah, but, but you're limited to the background, like whether it be a, a bounty hunter or you know, you're limited to the choices they give you. But no, no, it says create your own. So you, you can create your own and background. have your own skill set associated yeah. with you that. Yeah, basically it says you create whatever background you want and you pick the skills. So if you see that, so I didn't like know. a hitman. Basically, you take bounty hunter and say, "Well, I'm gonna be a hitman instead." So I need this skill, this skill, and this skill. Like, and like, I want these. Like speeds. maybe you keep uh, stealth and sleep wise, but maybe you don't want spot because you're a hitman. So maybe the way I read it, I thought else. you were limited. No, to... they openly say make your own. Same thing like uh, uh, I mean, if you want to be a pirate. Right now, there's not a pirate. Background, but you can create your own. You can take seafaring and navigation. And to be fair, in most games, they do say you can make your own spells and stuff like that. Most people don't take advantage to it because either you're going to create something that's broken, and the DM will be like, "This is horrible," and the DM won't realize what you're trying to do, and then you start playing. It's like, uh, no, this is not what we discussed, and then you have you have issues with that. But I think the D next is not a finished product, but I think it has a huge potential right, absolutely. to be a really, really good game. And that's so why I'm not making a, any definite answers right now. So here's a question to start a little discussion. Do you have any fears about them as, as this progresses, it loses its feeling of such an open free will thing and they start to come up with so many things that they, it starts well, to get compartmentalized. They, they will. The thing about it is what they say they want to do is perfect in my mind. 
Whether or not they can execute on what they want will be the deciding factor. The goal is they want to create this very sparse core. Basically, that's what we're playing. It's just very pared down. You only have four races. You only have four classes. You have limited backgrounds, limited specialties, no map, uh, you know, no grid. You don't have all the forced movement like in fourth edition and sliding and you know, marking, that kind of stuff. And then what they're going to do is they're going to add like a module. Okay, if you want to play tactical D&D next, Here's a separate book. This is how you use minis. This is how you use grids. This is how you use force movement, attacks of opportunity, um, you know, flanking. All that stuff will be a separate. So basically, they're going to say, here's your, three, your 4.0 flavor. Here's yes. your 3.5 flavor. Why would they do that? Why don't they just make D&D next, D&D next? If they want that, well, they go. They just play 3.5. Well, the goal is that you would have one system. Basically, it's one system to unite them all, like the Lord of the Rings, the ring. So if, you're in a, if you like 4th edition... You can use the pared down D and D next rules like advantage and um, you know the fighter mechanic for combat expertise, but you could add the complexity of the minis grid. Or if you want to do more of the three point five, where you you don't have a background or specialty, but you pick feats, you do that. You you separate off. So these are all the feats that you can get through backgrounds. Pick and choose what you want. That and, means you're forcing the DM to be knowledgeable though, because. As a DM, is if you're picking up the Indian next for the first time with a group of friends, saying, "Hey, let's play this game. It's cool." Then, the, how little DM know the choices he's making has going to well. And I think that that's where, as the DM, you decide. Like you can say, "Okay." But what I'm saying is, if you're a new DM, like you know how fits play out. Right. You know how 4.0 plays. But out. I think the way that would work is, especially if I like, if I was given advice, which we are here, you know, let's say a D&D next was a now created thing, I would say, buy the core rule book. Play, play it. And if you find out that the battles aren't cool enough for you and you think you want more complexity, add that in. Mm. If you played that for a while and you realize, you know what, I don't like the backgrounds because they're too confining and I want to do more, add in this. And you just build, you don't, you don't start with the whole thing. You know, say, okay, I'm going to filter all this down to what I want. You start with the core, which is really simple, and then add in stuff as you feel like it's not that, there. That is the, I didn't know about, about this, by the way, but that's definitely a def- different mindset. Because up until now, and this is just not, not just the D&D thing, this is true for most role-playing games, all books are in play except something independent comes out or something comes out and they're like, we're going to errata everything that's in it because it's totally broken. Yeah. Which that is extremely, I've never actually seen that happen, but I'm sure it can, it's possible. They do errata certain, certain abilities or certain classes that are too broken. But um, So what you're saying is, in this situation, you might say, you know what? We don't want this this tactical bottle and we're using meaning, so we're going to just leave it. But if someone likes it, they can just add it, and it's not necessary. So it's not like, see, what I was thinking, it would be like all the other D&Ds, which is like, whoa, now there's five new classes that you never knew existed. Now they're available. Oh, and there's three races that happen to go well with these classes. And here we'll give you the Dungeon Master 2 that's going to have some extra magical spells like you didn't have before. Right. And, some new and that probably will happen, but everything's optional. Everything will be so added on. So if you start with that's the core, if you start with the core, and then you add on, and you add on, and you add on, and basically you get to the point where you're playing fourth edition, or three point four. Why is that? That's like, the struggle that the designers have because they want you to buy this edition. I mean, obviously, Wizard my, Coast makes money. My point is that it, if they if they were really going to do something good and new, it seems like they should just stick with the core. If they're going to do all this stuff where you can get this and this and this. That just seems like marketing where 
they're just opening it up to no. Everybody has to buy a fifth edition. I think that's you really why they're focusing on these playtests because I don't remember playtests like this for fourth edition. No, they too. always had them, but they were all in house or private. Yeah, I, I really think they're trying to figure out how they want to go with this yeah. and to get everybody interested in they're buying. Just, this. Yeah. There's Which loud. nobody's going to do. We're just going to legally download it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, no, we would never do that. We will edit that. No. All right. So, <laughs> to circle back games. around, because I know it's, it's getting it's actually a lot later than I thought it was. Yeah, it's um, midnight. <clears throat> it's midnight. The point of this podcast was supposed to be you as a new DM, how it went compared to how you thought it would go or wanted it to go, what concerns you would have. Okay, we're going to, because we are going to go back to your game at some point in the future. And you I'd know, like to be a part of it. What, what lessons? No. <laughs> what lessons have you learned that you're going to take from that to make the next game better? Or again, to, to to a potential audience of this podcast who's like, I think about being a DM, but I'm scared because I don't know if I know. What advice would you give that that yeah. player? Jared's who's played, tips weren't good enough for yeah. me. <laughs> so so I've, I've played three games and now I got the story I want to tell. What advice would you give a new DM? My number, my absolute number one thing would be if this is going to be the very first time you're going to DM, it has to be with a group of people that you trust and you have confidence in. Because if I came to the games and it was a different group of people, if it wasn't you and Rob and Nico, um, and I had the same like fear that I, that I did, it would have been a hundred times worse and I probably would have quit. Because... Just the because eventually after a while I had to see that it doesn't matter how scared I am, you guys aren't gonna um, like see my weakness and start taking advantage of it like maybe some people would do, or you guys aren't going to try and get me like way off subject. So as a first time DM, I think the biggest thing is like do it with people that you trust because otherwise it's going to leave a, you're going to have a bad experience, it's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. The only reason that I want to keep going is probably because of the group. If it was a different group, I wouldn't want to keep doing it. Um that, that's the biggest everybody's been there. So I I want to add in one thing cuz I, I I this is way around from where we started but I wanted to tell you because you asked earlier about my moments in your game that that I liked and you you gave a couple and then we got sidetracked but my absolute favorite moment in your all of your games was the moment inside that first little dungeon we were fighting the kobolds with the alchemical bags and I caught one and then you immediately grabbed it and threw it away and the reason that to me was the best moment is because those were both character things yeah, like it wasn't meta gaming. As a character, I was trying so hard to catch it, and I finally did. And your character was just kind of a jerk. Which is like, okay. And both of those things were perfect in character moments that added to the game. They were fun, and you created an environment for us to do that. And I just, whether it was intentional or accidental or what. Yeah, I totally forgot about the cave. The cave was was pretty cool too. Yeah, I mean, for a first time dungeon, I actually was very impressed with mm-hmm. how how well you did that. For sure. I would like to go back and try that. To Jared's point. D and D next style with not not drawing the map and just trying to describe the way it looked to see how that would play out. So here's as a player, I feel like D and D next is a hundred times easier to get started in, but I'm almost more fe- fearful because like we were playing three point five, the grid for a DM is kind of like a crutch. I don't have to think about anything during combat. All I have to do, all I, ha- I have my monsters over here, it shows and, what and they do, and, you do them and I have my initiative here, and I don't have to think that much. 
Um, um, so the, having the grid combat in 3.5 with a DM is seems easier. I'm actually more nervous to do it in 5th edition, but I want to, and I think it has the potential to be to be but, better, uh, like it is, I think that this game right now is better, but I think almost from a DM standpoint, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be harder to DM the theater But things the like game. speed still have to mean something. Well, Absolutely. Like everybody runs up at the same speed if I, I, somebody's at speed 60 as opposed to speed Yeah, if there's, if there's a huge difference, I it's agree. It's like a monk, you I, know. I, I, if, if there's a huge difference, it's huge, I agree. But the difference of five feet, in like if you're doing it in well, your no. head, it's not that big. What I wanted to point out about this whole theater of the mind, which is a werewolf term, by the way, um, Mike had to get used to running miles again. And what's funny is... Most of the games I play did not involve minis. Uh, this is the second group of actually how to use minis because we have played 4.0 in two different places. Um, but when I was kind of California and here, I the last game I, I run, I was like, oh god, I forgot how it's harder. You have oh. to describe things better because people are like, wait, but why am I here? There? And like. But what's right You're saying with that, without the grid, it's harder. You have to retrain yourself yeah. to be like, I agree with you 100%. It is a crutch because you're like, well, I have the minis and I can draw things around it. And I have an idea in my head of how the map is going to look and I'm set. Well, when you describe it, you're like, wait, but I need to tell them about the tents. And I need to explain that there's a ledge so they know they have to climb it. So you have to kind of retrain yourself, even if you're experienced, to be able to do that. I don't think it's... As simple as like I'm going for it, but do you mind if I add some tell no, people I, some I, tips about the yeah, game? Yeah, absolutely. Stuff? I, you know, um, if you're afraid that you cannot come up with a really good story, the solution is either use an anime or maybe a movie you really liked, and you know, don't make it Law of the Rings because everybody's like, wait, I know what the story is about. But you know, if you have it something obscure like a book you read or a story you heard, use that. Or alternatively. D&D always has adventures out there. Without the danger is you might start running the adventure and the team might not go where you wanted to go or you might have something else that I tend to not like when it's like, let me read this three-page paragraph of like totally boring stuff because it's part of the description. You, like, it almost kind of limits your creativity but if you want to feel like, hey, I'm going to have this cool story that's, that some a really good writer wrote, you know the story's going to be cool. And then you can concentrate on other things. That's, like, that's one way of overcoming if you have fear of your story. In my experience, most people are cool with the story and they have fear of the rules. If that's the case, just read the book more. Have somebody you can reference. And you guys might not see it like in podcasts and stuff like that, but even experienced DMs like Mike or me will still say, I'm not sure how that works. And you can either fake it or you can go by the rules. Some people are like all about the rules and then like, wait... Well, hey, That's not how it works. You can ask your PCs what kind of story they want to roll too. Right. Yeah. So I mean that can help. Yeah. Rules wise, story wise, there was something else I wanted to bring up, but it's not coming. There's so, the, the, something else that I would add for my advice is the first time is that, and I'm not I'm not there yet. This isn't me. This is the DM that I'd like to be. Is that when you show up for the game, even if you don't have everything planned out, and you don't know how everything's going to go, and even if you're scared. Sh- that you're, like you're going to shit in your pants do your absolute best to sit down in the chair and put on a game face and act like everything's going according to plan and everything's going the way you want and try to keep that through the whole game because I think it, it's possible for your as a DM it's possible for your fear to, to like uh, 
just like spill Rub over off into the game and spill and spill over in the game and and if and you're there to encourage the environment for people to have fun and if you are not having fun and they're seeing that it can it can ruin the game for the rest of the one people. of the first people I started playing D and D with ever uh, his name's Gary I actually don't even remember his last name he was a friend of a friend it was like one of those like Mensa geniuses I mean he just was ridiculously smart. And the thing I remember about him most as far as playing D&D is that he always said yes. And to your point, I don't care what I came up with. I could have come up with the most just, was just crazy story in the world. Get on and that. he would have been like, okay. And he absolutely could have incorporated it. Just He was so fast in his head where even me, I'm pretty fast. I don't have to stop and go, okay, wait, was that? He never that's, skipped a that's, beat. That's an experience. But in that same thing, do not be afraid to say no. I'm a, I'm a fan of saying yes, but don't say don't say yes just yes to make a good, player happy. But don't be afraid to say no. Yeah, John has if somebody says, "Hey, I have a ring of greater invisibility," don't be afraid to say no. You're not allowed to have that. I think because if you allow that, it will actually destroy the game. Yes. For, especially for if you're new. DM. I think they're both equally as important because <clears throat> I actually remember, like in the in my game when you were in jail. And you were trying to do these crazy things to get out of jail. Like, you were trying to tell these weird stories to the guard to convince him to try and believe you. And at, at, there were times where, like, I was afraid to say no. I was afraid to say, no, Michael, that's not going to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I should have, I could have been a little more strict because it made sense. Because being more strict and saying, no, you can't do that made sense. I wouldn't have just... I wasn't going to say no we don't because say I no. didn't know how to deal you with it. You could say the door's locked or yeah. the, the path is blocked by well, you rubble. You can say or, you can't yeah. do that. You don't necessarily have to say no. You know, yeah. you can say no without I, saying no. I think no. that I mean, it's obviously key to be able to, um, what's the name of that word where you do something on the fly? Um, improv. Improv, yeah. You have to improv as a DM because, as I said, there's players will do their own thing. At the same time, you can feed from the players to kind of Players sometimes will come up with ideas that you totally did not think about, and when you hear them, you're like, "Wow, that's a really, that should work. That's such a cool idea that I have to reward it by saying, yeah, you can do that.' Even if you're like, oh, it wouldn't fit with my story,' because they come up with such a good idea that, and you can kind of feel the excitement. It's like it's something that has never been done before. You're like, I will allow that." Just because the story will flow better, and you did, Michael did this with with your assassination attempt by like you know grabbing the guy by the throat and stabbing him in the back. Like you have to be able to bend the rules and just say, you know what, for the cinematic experience of this situation, it doesn't even have to be just battle. It can be like talking to other people. I have to allow this. Like uh, Rob's box in in your but game. If, if like he found the box, he's like, "I'm hiding in the box." That was, awesome. I was like such a random thing. Like Mike, because he spent 25 years thinking about possible things we could have done. He have never thought there's going to be a box that he's going to hide in and like pretend he's not there. And he's going to keep it for but, three games. Yeah. But yeah, but guess what, Mike did. He's like, "Yeah, you can do that." And guess what? That added depth to his character. It was kind of funny, so we all laughed, and it was cool. Now, if you wanted to be a stickler, you're like, "They will have no boxes there. Everything's made out of marble." You know, there's no box that you can fit. Yeah. But it was cool. It didn't break the game. It's not like he had the holy hand grenade that was going to kill everyone. It's a stupid box. But for him, he liked it so much. He's like, we're going to the boat. I'm taking my box with me. That's cool. Like, you have to be able yeah. to improv and say, I accept what the players give me, and I'm going to go with it because that makes the, the story better or it makes the experience better. But if you do have to intervene and say this can't happen... 
make sure you reward your players with whether it be a hero point or an action point or something, so that they're not doing they're not going out of going out on a limb for no reason at all. They're they're they decided to do something, but it didn't work. But at least you're rewarding them for attempting it. I'll also say that I think I got myself into trouble. So this would be number three advice. I also think I got myself into trouble, and I gave myself. Um, a lot of fear that wouldn't have been there if I would have tried to play, if I would have tried to give a pre-written story. Like, if let's say I ripped off a book I read a long time ago, and I think it's awesome, but probably none of yeah, you probably that's, read that's it. That's why I was or rip off them. Yeah, yeah like well. Nico was saying, like, that can work, and it can be really cool. And I think that I was I was over-ambitious to, tr- cr- to try to create this whole big story because that's where I got into trouble where the game was coming up and I was like I don't know what to I don't know what goes here. I don't this is my story but yet I don't know what goes in this part. Whereas as a first time DM you won't have to it'll be a lot easier and you won't have to think about all that stuff if, if you have you, a predefined story. Don't be afraid to make up something write it down and make it make sense later. Right. Uh, now, I do that all the time. Yeah, I'll, I'll, all the time I'll throw out things and I wait to see what you guys think. I'm yes, this I'm like, random yes. person's name's Jacob. And he <laughs> that does is what I missed when you thought of that. Oh, I'm writing uh, it down the entire time. But what I would say to your comment, the way I would kind of try to focus that down is create big, play small. It's okay to have this great, huge world. Like Again, I sent you guys a thousand years in the future and there's aliens and there's all kind of stuff. But the very first game was you breaking out of a city. And then the second game was you guys on a boat, and then you were in an abandoned. This village. whole session tonight, we started in a room and we ended in the same room. Basically, yeah, pretty much. You, it was one small twenty by twenty foot room. Is pretty much the whole game, but it was part of this huge story where you met the ghost, who's a very important character, and again, it's tied into all these the murders. Key the key exchange hands. I did my own thing. But here's yeah, the thing: you ran away and got if lost. If we said, "Hey, we don't want to be in the sewer," and we left the sewer, he would have had something for us. Outside of that, and that's what's important is knowing the world, what's going on around it yeah, in your well, world. But the way I design adventures mm-hmm. is again, I create an outline and I have like backup battles or situations, mm-hmm. kind of like as big ideas. And I'll literally write down like, um, I'll be like, play hide and seek game, use wisdom for, for finding people, stuff for, for hiding. And I'll leave it at that. And then I know as I stop playing, like the hide and seek game, I thought it would be really fun. It didn't feel that way. So I was just like, I was planning on having you guys play for like two, three games. And I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. But in practice, I was like, you know, we already know the mechanics. So it's not serving any purpose from the mechanics perspective. They don't seem like they're having a lot of fun. I think you guys were kind of getting into it. That's fine. But it wasn't like the epic hide and seek right. I was thinking about. And you say, let's move on because I want you guys to go to the mausoleum. I can't give you the some messages to kind of like guide Mike to go there. And I knew once that happened, you guys would just start developing things. Was I expecting you to go on the roof first? No, I or wasn't. perhaps like, and that goes back hide to, and seek, we could have like stumbled upon a grave that opened. And I was waiting for someone to, to say, I went for the local yeah. muscle and tried to get in. And I would be like, and this happened. Because I, I know you want to say something like quickly. Super, yeah. The thing I did like about that is, is I agree, I didn't think the hide and seek game was a very fun element. Yeah. But I used it to, to create my character by, by falling asleep. Right. And that, I think, spoke a lot about my character. And I played that the whole time. That that just like almost instantly created the character of me that I'm the guy that fell asleep playing hide and seek because I got bored. Right. All right, and do you want to say something? Um, I know we want to wrap it up, and this can just be a real quick answer, but I was just thinking tonight everything took place in one room, but we had um, an sl- argument slash discussion for the first half hour about what we were going to do. 
Um, Omi was almost killed again. <laughs> uh, you know, he uh, Grexel got lost to us. He got lost. He ran. We don't know. He ran off. We don't know where he went. He says he went and you know did this, but we don't know that. <coughs> Coward. We lost. <laughs> we lost the key. I had to give up the key. Um, we met this ghost that we don't even know about. We found this room with all these dead bodies. It was a very, thinking back, it was a really complex game. And I was wondering if, do you think that playing a session of D&D next, as opposed to a session of D&D 3.5, do you think in 3.5 it the, compl- the complexity goes down of all the things that are going on in your story? Because you're not... Just the fact that, kind of the point that I was making earlier where everything's simpler, you're not drawing maps, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, and you're you're more uh, engaged. At, it's, it's all like you're more passing notes back and forth, you're talking to him, then you're talking to me, and there's so many things going on. Do you think it's easier to add com- complexity to the game? Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the DM. And I, again, I'm, I DM most of the time, so I don't have a whole lot of experience playing with other other DMs. But the type of stories I like to tell, the story is what's complex. And I think 3.5 and 4.0, especially the complexity is built into the combat, where you have all these combat options and all these different spells and that kind of stuff. Where D and D next, I feel, is a better fit for me because it allows me to add the complexity in the story and not worry so much about the battles. Yeah, the, the, the battle in D&D Next from my DMing experience went so fast. Especially the first battle you guys did, I was like, do I have enough content for this? Because I was like, there's four rooms, and I'm kind of giving some stuff out. You guys have gone through three. We did three rooms in like an hour. In 3.5, you, you cannot do three battles in an hour. It's impossible. Not, not balanced encounters. It probably right. takes oh. off. Especially yeah, it's on the grid. Yeah. Well, it's just, the, grid, the thing it, that I'm it interested just went in. so fast. I was like, and I think I even said something like, this is going really fast. Because I was not expecting that. Like, I had the four rooms, and I was, uh, that's actually another tip for new DMs. I designed a game and a half. In case it goes so fast, I still have like another two extra hours just in case something happens, I can still go there. When the game that I run, I literally had the room and I had a bunch more plot. It just never went there, and that's fine. That's the way I like it. Because it sucks when you have your plot that you thought about, and people hit that point, and you're like, well, crap, I have another hour. What am I going to do That's now? what I was afraid of when I was coming to games, is that I had no idea how, how long, long things take. were going to take. And uh, puzzles, by the way, are dangerous for that. If you design a puzzle... First of all, if it takes four hours to solve the puzzle, you're going to lose all your players because they're going to be like, wow, this was like, this sucks, it's too complicated. I'm actually well known in my Cleveland group for doing that. I would create a puzzle and just like walk away and be like two hours and they're like, we don't know what's going on. Right, because then then you're like, well, what did I do all day? Just try to solve this puzzle. But then sometimes you'll do a puzzle and they might not have character or they might just get a brilliant idea and it's like boom, boom, boom. And you're like, wow, this puzzle was supposed to take 10 minutes. It took like 30 seconds and I only have two puzzles. And I have an hour left. What am I going to do now? And I, I, I actually, um, I guess in the post-apocalyptic game, I had, was it? No, it was a different game. It was like, no, it wasn't a game. We had like, I had like seven puzzles. I'm like, this is going to take forever. Like, this is all my plot. And that game we ended up ending 45 minutes early because I was like, they went through the puzzle so quick that I was just like, I know what's going to happen, but I don't have anything to like engage them in. So I'm like, I'm done in this game. I had went the, so fast. Uh, in that first 4.0 game we had where you guys were underground in the, the death cultist area, I had spent 
I mean, hours I, creating I, this I very. I play that with you. I wasn't there. Oh, yet. you weren't there yet. Okay, uh, but I created this very complex D12 mystery. Like I actually went out and bought a whole bunch of these because these were keys they kept finding. And then there was a puzzle, kind of like Sudoku. Oh wait, no, I did play that. And it yeah, was, it was, you and Brad, yeah, like, the, the you sat down, like two minutes later, you figured it out because I know Brad's a fucking math genius. Like I had this great puzzle set up, and it was like basically like Sudoku. You know, if the twelve was here, it couldn't be here. And like I thought it'd be a good half hour. It was like four minutes. Yeah, like, Brad yeah, and I just destroyed that, that puzzle. Break. All right, but we've went way too long. It's just too late, so I want to wrap things up. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Jared and Nico for both staying and, and contributing. And again, Jared's been writing these articles on Dean on our website, which I, I do, from a general tip, read those. I, even the ones I don't necessarily agree with completely, there's a lot of good content in there. It's a lot of stuff for people to think about. Listen to podcasts, hopefully this one, if not others. I've been DMing for got 20 years. I just recently started um, listening to podcasts, and every one I steal something from, whether, like the name of the city, Mariposa. I love that name. It comes from a podcast I listen to. The idea of the alien came from a podcast I listened to. I'm not stealing it exactly, but I'm stealing stuff from all these podcasts. It's and it's really, really helping me out. I think I'm a better DM just over the past couple months from listening to these podcasts. Um, Thank you to the two new comments that we got because um, I can't remember the names of the guys, but I we'll we go back in and have to add them in. It, it was, was it, the, the smash on the keyboard and the was hilarious. Letters was awesome, yeah. and thank you very much for doing that. We really appreciate the, the feedback. Please keep it coming. Again on iTunes, uh, we have uh, email addresses: Evan at dndacademy.com, Michael at dndacademy.com. If you want to submit some content, it's submissions at dndacademy.com. And I just created a new. Uh, email specifically for podcasts. So if you have any feedback about the podcast, you can just email us at podcast at or podcast. Send feedback on my uh, yes. articles. Jared's had like over 500 people read his articles and no one has left any feedback yet. <laughs> Please comment on this podcast. Tell us if there's anything you agree with or disagree with from things that we yeah. mentioned about new DMs or from if you're playing D&D Next. I don't know if anybody out there that's listening to this is playing D&D Next, but if you are, tell us what your experience is in it. Yeah, or if, like. if it matches ours, and if you think 3.5 is great, like Jared, tell us that as well. <laughs> um, and then again, just guys, appreciate Otherwise, you. don't leave any comments. <laughs> appreciate you listening, uh, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. See you later.